it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 44 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. My name is Nathan Hirsch, and uh, joining me here in a second will be Jake Slobodnik. Jake's here right now. Jake, what's going on? That is right. I am here. It's uh, not much going on for a you know, Wednesday night. How about you? Uh, not too much. I had my fantasy football draft tonight, so that was pretty exciting. But other than that, not a lot going on. Just watching Bucko. It was pretty good. Had the fifth pick. Uh, may have reached on Najee Harris, but the Yinzer and me couldn't pass him up. It's about as far as I'll go, though. I'm sure people love to hear about other people's fantasy football teams. But, yeah, it was pretty good, though. I, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed it. I like my team. That's good. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, yeah, Pirates had another chance at uh, sweeping a team in a three-game series, and they failed to do so again. They are now 0-12, I believe, I saw somewhere on Twitter. Yep in uh sweep opportunity type games um so yeah lost five to one tonight they are now 50 and 90 on the season mitch keller yet again had a chance to uh have a second straight good start he wasn't too too terrible i guess he was still bad five innings pitched gave up 10 hits but on the bright side, six strikeouts, only walked one. So uh, it could have been worse, I guess. But, yeah, basically the Tigers got out to an early lead, and they never looked back. Offensively, the Pirates were uh, pretty non-existent. But uh, two wins, 
In the first two games, the Pirates took game one, six to three. In that one, uh, Bryce, um, Bryce Wilson was actually pretty decent. Six innings pitched, only gave up three earned and a quality start. Game two, the Pirates were able to win that three to two in a comeback game in which Ben Gamble had the go-ahead single. Dylan Peters wasn't great, but uh, four innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts, three walks. But uh, the bullpen was really, really good in that one. But, uh, yeah, two out of three, you'll take it. Pirates are now 50 and 90. And, yeah, so I don't know. What do you think? I just don't understand. Well, first, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. I thought the series was really good except for the finale. But, I mean, we've been through this so many times that it's really <laughs> – it really hasn't affected us too much. I mean, we're all we're all used to the fact the Pirates can't figure out how to sweep a team. It's like it's like they're kryptonite almost. But um, a few good notes. Uh, I know Dylan Peters, you mentioned it wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible either. He's been pretty solid for us since we first brought him up. A um, few quality starts in him. I can't really – disagree with that especially with how our starting pitching has been this year i would say peters has been in a, a bright spot since he came up uh bryce wilson did really well like you said a quality outing uh and he's really been on the up and up since coming over to pittsburgh started off shaky but he's been doing all right lately bullpen was definitely the name of the game and also ben gamble this these past few days um also playing hero like you mentioned a go ahead uh hit a go ahead rbi in yesterday's game then today had a hit in an RBI, or he had a ground rule double, scored a run too. Um, but I, I mean, there was a lot of bright spots. Uh, can't really go wrong with it. The only thing I probably would have critiqued is uh, bullpen management yesterday. Didn't really see the point in bringing in David Bednar in the eighth and then Chris Stratton in the ninth. Wasn't really too keen on that. But other than that, um, Mitch Keller, you know, you know me. I'm normally the guy who always rags on him and you know pretty much dra- drags his name through the mud. Other than a few mistake pitches to Miguel Cabrera, he was okay tonight. I mean, you mentioned it two hits or 10 hits, excuse me. Good uh, strike, a good amount of strikeouts, only one walk. Can't really argue with that. So a tit for tat. You sort of, uh, you sort of compare it. You take the positive, you throw away the negative, and all, you know, really, this has been a very good series for the Pirates, especially where they are in the season. Um, just would have liked to see them clinch that sweep today, but that's, as we all know, is way easier said than done um but yeah i didn't I, I thought this was a really good series and this is so surprising actually talking good of the pirates at this point in the season and with their recent downward slope but i mean hey you that's a, i think this was a really good way to bounce back after being swept or be, losing six straight in the windy city right. both white Sox and cubs so there was a lot of good points in it yeah i will say um when it comes to that decision last night to bring Bednar in the eighth and then Stratton in the ninth, I'll actually give Shelton kudos there because in the eighth, the uh, the Tigers actually had the middle of their order coming up. It was Cabrera, Candelario, and Haas, the pitcher. That was their three, four, five hitters. So I feel like uh, Shelton played the matchup there a little more than the traditional eighth inning guy, ninth inning closer type guy. But um I, I like that, and um, it worked out, obviously. Um, Bednar had a clean inning. Stratton had a clean inning as well. Both gave up a hit, but it didn't matter. Um, I will say, this is actually kind of funny. I'm looking at the Fangraphs uh, page right now. At, among 
Pirates starting pitchers. And this is before tonight, so we'll see how it changes. But among Pirates starters, Mitch Keller actually has the highest war among Pirates uh, current stars. Tyler Anderson has the highest war. And Rich Rodriguez has the second highest war among all Pirates pitchers, which is ironic because it's been over a month since either has pitched for this team. But uh, Mitch Keller at 0.6 has the highest F war among all Pirates starters. That is more than JT Brubaker. That is more than uh, Bryce Wilson and Dylan Peters. Although I'll I'll put a uh, asterisk on those guys because they've only been with the team for about a month, a little over the month. Bryce Wilson and Peters both at 0.4 F4, which in their short amount of time here, I find that uh, pretty impressive. Um, I mean, there's there's really not a lot to uh, to be optimistic about. Uh, Stephen Brault kind of struggled in his return, and he's struggled especially lately. Basically on the pitching side, it's all pretty much terrible. We know how Brubaker has just been, he's just fallen off a cliff basically in the second half of the season. But uh, yeah, I mean, Mitch Keller's last two starts, like you said tonight, he wasn't great, but he wasn't absolutely terrible. And uh, in his start against the Cubs before this one, he actually did look great. So, I mean, we've kind of been talking about it all year. It's pretty much sound like a broken record here but uh keller's gonna get his reps he's he's gonna get his chances and uh i just think it is kind of hilarious though that he has the highest f4 among pirates starters uh bednar has the highest f4 among all pirates pitchers currently on the team at 1.1 but uh yeah pretty crazy if you ask me that the pirates have had a ton of starters go but uh yeah Mitch Keller, the best one, apparently. Yeah, and you wouldn't guess that based off his performances this season. I'm, I mean, you'd probably expect him to be somewhere near the bottom. At least I know I would. Um, but it doesn't come to me as a shock that David Bednar leads all pitchers. I mean, this guy, I don't know how. Like, if anything, he makes it seem like we won that Joe Musgrove trade, if you ask me, just based off his numbers alone this year. And how he just goes out there and fires every day. I mean, this guy's got high heat, great control. His break on his curveball is immaculate, to say the least. Like, I, I I don't think we've seen a pitcher with that much break in the Pirates system. Oh, good Lord, since I'm, I'm trying to think of who, but um, especially in relief. But you know, David Bednar is just in a league of his own. Um, like always, I have to talk about some of the bad with the Pirates. And, you know, that's just one of the things that we always talk about, obviously, like you said, like a broken record. And again, I know I've said this earlier this year, but I'm going to reiterate this. And I don't I don't care who disagrees with me on this. I would not be chapped in the slightest if we did not bring Colin Moran back next year. I I know he is good hitting wise and, and he can have his spurts of greatness. Don't get me wrong, but the dude just can't run. The dude is inconsistent when it comes to. I guess, performing in the clutch or at least trying to get a rally started. I mean, he could have easily had a single earlier in this game after he, I think he hit one off of Matt Manning's foot. Normally anybody would have beat that out, but Colin Moran, just because he looks like he carries two anchors in the back of his pants, uh, <laughs> he, he he got thrown out 
by a mile. And that's something that just can't happen. I remember growing up, one of the facets of baseball that all players needed to have was speed. That was one thing because that, that's, that's what wins you games. Sometimes I, I, and especially with the pirates, you need speed. It's proven to that in, in past years, Marte Kutch, uh, throwing it back to the early two thousands with the likes of, you know, when we had Matt Lawton or Tyke Redmond, they had speed and they utilize it. Moran just doesn't have it. And I know I listed a bunch of outfielders, but at the same time, the, the, the theme stays with all players on the field and Moran, I'm just, I look at him and he just plays lazily. Like he strikes out on terrible pitches. He's inconsistent. He can't start, he can't start or complete a rally that is. He might be able to once in a great while, but a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Uh, but it's just his speed to me. He, it, it's, it's such a burden on the team. Like I would, and I, I know this is going to sound really bad, but I would rather see Nagalski and Sutsugo or some uh, like Chavis when he comes back, him and Sutsugo share time at first. And Moran, I mean, I, I wouldn't be chapped if he didn't return next year because at least we know that those two guys have way more speed than he can ever bring to the team. If we only have room for one slow person, it might as well be Jacob Stallings because he's at least doing stuff defensively, like defensive uh, defensive runs saved, top leaders in that. Moran, he's just like in the middle. Um, like I said, his hitting is okay. He's got, I think he's two, like one of three hitters, if that, to have an average above 270 this season. But yeah, I, I, I'm just not a huge, a huge fan of him and just watching him. Like there are just so many opportunities that normal first baseman would take advantage of or Moran just really squanders. And, uh, I, I don't know how you feel about it, Nate, but I think I'm just at that point where I would not mind to see Moran move on next season or us move on from Moran, and in favor of maybe like a younger talent or somebody just with more aggression in their bones. Like it was such a breath of fresh air to see Nagowski come in when he first did, because he had some aggression. He had a reason to play whereas Moran every time he takes the field, it just seems like he's just there. Like he doesn't really care. Now I could be completely wrong, but just watching his body language, it just seriously looks like he just doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just like it. It is a true fact that he is literally one of the slowest players in baseball. And uh, I actually just pulled up the uh, baseball savant stat cast sprint speed wise. Colin Moran is the 10th slowest player in all of baseball of every player and um, of players that aren't 30 or older. Moran is the slowest player. So every player in front of him is slower. Jacob Stallings actually is the ninth slowest player in all of baseball, which is funny. But like you said, he is excellent defensively, good framer. For being a catcher, he's actually decent with the bat. I'm just looking here. Um, WRC plus at 95, which is slightly below average. But considering he's a catcher, I mean, he's he's good enough. Yeah. You gotta wait. Um, you gotta give weight some in some areas when it comes to catchers versus right, right. Yeah, and Moran, he is he's a good hitter. He is WRC plus at one ten, so that's about ten percent above the average hitter. But when it comes to uh, first baseman and uh, the kind of weight that a first baseman needs to supply with his bat, he is definitely below average when it comes to. Uh, hitters at first base definitely probably in the lowest uh probably in the lowest tier among MLB hitters if I had to guess um as, as far as bringing him back next year I mean the Pirates they're definitely going to he uh still has 
plenty of years. He's a free agent in 2024, so he's going to be brought back. I mean, looking at his stats this year, you're right. I mean, he pretty much just is what he is. Um, you know, he's a 15 to 20 home run hitting first baseman, which who who uh, is pretty much terrible at everything he does except hit. Like you said, he's super slow fielding, not great. It just kind of seems like bad plays follow him around where like, for example, in that Cubs game, um, Ben Gamble makes what might be the play of the year in left field on a diving catch. They throw the ball in. Moran can't handle the throw at first that would have doubled up the uh, runner, basically that would have ended the inning a few batters later, grand slam, Pirates lose. So, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. But, I mean, I guess at this point, if you had to ask me who would I rather keep next year, Colin Moran or Yoshi Susugo, I would take Yoshi at this point. And that's probably probably a, a biased opinion via recent performance. But Moran's definitely not uh, – he's not one of the biggest problems on this team, I'll tell you that much. But he's just – he is what he is. He's a Met player. He's a half-win player this season in about a half-season's worth of, of games. If you had to ask me what Colin Moran's role would be on a World Series caliber team, probably like the 25th or 26th man – a bench bat, a guy that you could bring in to pinch hit, occasionally DH, occasionally get a start. But I definitely think he'll be with the Pirates next season. And, I mean, I'll be all right with it. We'll see. Um, honestly, at this point, my hope is that Colin Moran is decent enough to where the Pirates could trade him at some point for – maybe a lottery ticket prospect. I don't see the Pirates getting particularly much for him at all. But uh, honestly, too, maybe, you know, you look at it. You mentioned David Bednar, and uh, Bednar, I think he has, he's uh, definitely, he's definitely the closer of the future, I guess you could say. I think he is going to be the closer next year. He should be the Closer now, or, you know, the high, highest leverage reliever. Closer, that's kind of an old term. But maybe Colin Moran nets you a lottery ticket relief pitcher that has struggled, but he has the stuff. You know, basically how the Pirates traded Austin Davis for Michael Chavis. Maybe the Pirates trade Colin Moran for ex-reliever that can come in next season and be a 7th or 8th eighth, eighth inning guy. Um, I wouldn't mind that. But yeah, I mean, Colin Moran is not really, there's not much to get excited about watching him. And um, he's just a below average first baseman. That's that's pretty much it. I can't really get mad at the guy. We've known what he's been since he's came to Pittsburgh. Um, and we kind of scoff at him a little more, I think, because he was, he was part of the return in the Garrett Cole trade. And, you know, you see Garrett Cole go on to be a Cy Young candidate slash probably winner this season. And you see Colin Moran and you just kind of roll your eyes at him, but he is what he is. He's meh. And uh, like I said, though, I wouldn't mind him getting traded for maybe a relief pitcher or something like that. 
Yeah, and I think that's totally fair. I'm not saying, you know, like, <laughs> I think at this point, I think Charrington, I think we all know that he's willing to trade anybody who's at a high value right now. And I think Moran's at that point where he could be traded for something decent. Like you said, a lottery ticket prospect, see what we get. I mean, if, if it's really no lose, if they don't pan out, uh, especially since Moran really is not bringing much for us right now, but um, I'm just, I, I'm just tired of watching him. Like I said, his body language just looks really tired. Like he just doesn't want to be there. <laughs> and like, just, just watching his on-field ability, it's just like, okay, Moran's up, pinched it or clutch situation. We always know that he's going to strike out on a terrible pitch. And most of the time it does. I, I agree though. I think we could possibly get something for him. Maybe the soft season if Charrington can look, you know, he's got years of control. Let's see what, let's see what he can do. If he works, if anything, maybe he'll get, if not, he'll be back next year. Like, like you said earlier, but yeah, there's, uh, there's really, this is the hardest part of the season because when, when it's pretty much lost like this, <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to talk about a lot of things other than, okay, well, what can possibly happen next year or off season, maybe some moves like that. Um, one thing I did see though today, I did see an article and it was the pirates should probably look to use Luis Oviedo a little bit more. Uh, especially if Derek Shelton's utilizing the bullpen in, uh, in more games uh, down the stretch and trying to get these young arms going. Uh, Luis Oviedo hasn't really had the best numbers this season. I mean, we we got him in roll five, if I'm not correct, or if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, honestly, at this point, what do we have to lose? Um, I mean, his numbers aren't great, like I said before, but I I have to sway with, yes, I think we should see a little bit more Luis Oviedo, maybe in some spot start positions just to see what kind of versatility he can bring to us. But Nate, I did want to bring that up and get your opinion on what we should see. Or like if you better, let me rephrase that. If the if Derek Shelton should look to Luis Oviedo more, especially with how deep our bullpen is, should he give him a little bit more opportunities uh, down the stretch since considering the season's already lost. And I mean, if he's a young arm and he's and they might offer him a spot next year. Do we use him a little bit more this year just to see what he could, what can be fixed in the off season or what he could potentially bring next? Yeah, of course, definitely use him as much as you want. I mean, like you said, his stats just aren't not very good. They're flat out terrible. He has a nine forty five ERA, um, but like you said, roll five guy. He is only. 22 years old, and I will say this. Um, in his last terrible, terrible outing, that was August 1st, he gave up five earned runs and didn't record a single out. And uh, that's when he walked four. He only gave up one hit, but yeah, four walks, a hit, five earned runs. Didn't record an out. That was against the Phillies on August 1st. Since then, though, he has appeared in six games. And he has pitched, you know, only seven innings. So the sample size is absolutely minuscule. But over those seven innings, he's only wa- or he's only uh, given up two earned runs. So that's a 2.57 ERA. In that time, he struck out nine. Very good. Walked five. That's still way too high. But he's only given up three hits. And uh, opponents are hitting 125, 300, 167 against him. So... He has shown as of late to be pretty, pretty okay. And I said five walks, four of them came in um, one outing against 
St. Louis. So in five of those games, he's only walked, what is it, two? No, one. He's only walked one in those other five games. And he's been striking out hitters. And, yeah, no, I think 1,000%. I mean, like you said, there's just – there's so many of these – so many of these players that I, I don't really need to see much more of them. Uh, there's so many really, really terrible players on this team currently. So, yes, I do think that Oviedo should most definitely get uh, get some more, some more playing time. I'm just looking. I mean, like, I don't know. Chad Cool has been kind of disappointing lately out of the bullpen. He had a clean inning the other night, but uh, he got blown up in that one game, like, you know, a week ago, I believe, against the Cubs. I've seen enough of Sam Howard. He's pretty much struggled. Um, Nick Mears is pretty intriguing, but, I mean, if, if I had to pick between Mears and Oviedo, I think I'm leaning slightly towards Oviedo, just based on, like, upside, I guess, and pure stuff. But, yeah. I agree. Definitely okay. throw more Oviedo out there down the stretch for sure. Yeah, I mean, it really wouldn't hurt too much, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say a good thing from this series, we did see the return of Francisco Cervelli to the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, joined, joined the guys in the TV booth a little bit, sort of rehashed his time in Pittsburgh. Although, I don't know if you saw, there was like rumors that <laughs> they brought him in to interview for the vacant head coach or the hitting coaching position. And I think That's Pittsburgh hilarious. almost lost its damn mind because of it. I know I almost did because I, I didn't realize they were doing that. They were just having him in, in, in for a visit and be on TV and stuff. I genuinely thought that they brought him in to talk and that he was going to, you know, say that he was the new hitting coach. I I think that would be an interesting move. I, I know we're just really spitballing here when it comes to who could possibly fill in. But, I mean, Francisco didn't do too bad when it came to Pittsburgh. I mean – when he was healthy, he was really good, really efficient behind the plate and uh, at, at bat as well. So I, I is I don't think it's really outlandish to Scott or to maybe have some hope that Francisco Cervelli could find his way into the Pittsburgh coaching staff. Like I said, far fetched, but uh, were you part of that crew that maybe thought, "Oh shit, this might get real"? That Francisco Cervelli might come back to the Pirates, but this time in a um, I mean, honestly, no, that never once crossed my mind. But I will say, I saw he like tweeted something like, what's up, Pittsburgh, or like something like that, something along those lines. And I thought for a split second that uh, the Pirates may have like signed him to a contract to actually play. I'm not going to oh. lie. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case. He is still just 35 years old and did, he did play last season. But uh, yeah, I mean, his time in Pittsburgh... I'll give him this much. The guy took his walks. 264 batting average. Not not the best. Not terrible. 362 on base with the Pirates. That is excellent. And obviously, he didn't really hit for a lot of power. But, you know, people do forget that um, I remember in 20, 2014 was Russell Martin's last season with the pirates he had a two-year deal and he left and it was it was actually it was it really sucked because in both of those years martin was an all-star level player and he was really great but in 2015 francisco cervelli stepped in and took uh took martin's spot at catcher 
and Cervelli was he was really freaking awesome in 2015. Hit 295, 370 on base, slugged 401, which at a, at the catch position 117 WRC plus. That's freaking amazing. His F four was 5.9. That is like borderline. That's that's all star level. You get MVP votes with an F four like that. He was really really awesome. And then in 2016, he was still pretty dang good. 2.7 F four, not quite as great, but still got on base a ton, walked a ton. Was great with the pitching staff. Um, Cervelli was a fun player in Pittsburgh, for sure. And uh, I wouldn't mind him being brought on the coaching staff if, you know, if he wanted to coach or whatever or whatever. Maybe not as the hitting coach, per se, but as maybe a bench coach to get the guys, get the guys roared up, get them, uh, get them pumped. That'd be kind of interesting. And I do think that he would work well with the pitchers more than anything. And uh, maybe he's a bullpen catcher type if you want it. But, yeah, I mean, it's always nice seeing Vita Bella, Betsamore, Francisco Cervelli. He was great in Pittsburgh. And uh, I definitely do miss watching him hit. I'm a big no batting gloves guy. Loved that. And uh, it, it is a shame that he did. He, uh, he dealt with a lot of concussion issues. And uh, that kind of derailed his career. But it was definitely nice seeing him get to catch up a little bit during the uh, Pirates broadcast. And I did think it was really interesting that his walk-up song, That's Amore, they, uh, that he explained that was a Pittsburgh-only thing. That was never his walk-up song in New York or afterwards with Atlanta or Miami. Uh, it was a Pittsburgh thing, and the fans loved it. And he kind of mentioned that his teammates didn't love it, and I thought that was funny too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I I love Francisco Cervelli. He was he was he was really fun to watch when he was in Pittsburgh. Definitely brought a lot of great energy to the team. And uh, you know this current team kind of lacks a player like that. They don't have there's there's no one with that type of energy that uh, gets gets the players riled up. I guess. I mean, if you look at it, like the Pirates' best player, Brian Reynolds. I'm not gonna criticize anything about him, but he. Uh, He's an even-killed, calm guy. He doesn't really show much emotion. It's uh, it's business always yeah. with him. And uh, yeah, you know, on the pitching side, same thing. I guess Bednar a little bit. He gets pumped. He gets amped. But uh, on the on the offensive side, there's really not a lot of uh, energy. I guess like Cervelli brought, which take it or leave it. But it's definitely fun to watch. I mean, you got. You got Cole Tucker, but he just sucks at everything he does. Right. I mean, he's he's got <laughs> right. great energy. Maybe, he just can't do anything on the field. <laughs> maybe Ben Gamble a little bit. Uh, he's he definitely brings energy, and he's kind of like a rugged. If anything, Ben Gamble kind of reminds me a little of uh, AJ Burnett, I guess. Just you know, yeah, rugged, very gritty, doesn't care. He's exactly. I, I, <laughs> right. I, I agree. I I didn't really think of that until now. So good analogy comparing Gamble to AJ Burnett. He's got that gritty attitude, uh, you know, doesn't really care what you think. He just goes out there and does what he does every day, plays his hardest. And I, I feel like Ben Gamble on maybe the 2013, maybe 2014. Yeah. Maybe 2014 pirates. It would have added a little bit more to him. Cause you got AJ and Ben Gamble in the same lineup. Holy, that'd have been nice to see, but yeah. Yeah. All right, before we get out of here, let's just uh, look a little bit ahead to the Pirates' schedule. Tomorrow, no, not tomorrow. Tomorrow, 
Pirates have an off day tomorrow, but uh, Friday we'll have Stephen Brault, and he will be opposing Josiah Gray. The Pirates play the Nationals for a three-game series. Gray, not really that good on the season. Uh, eight starts, nine games, pitch total, 43 innings. He's given up 27 earned runs, so that's 5-6-5. Five, ERA, the Pirates will definitely have a chance in that game, I would say. Uh, Saturday, it'll be Will Crow, who, sad for Will Crow, out of all the Pirates pitchers, out of all 30-something pitchers to throw a pitch for the Pirates this season, Will Crow has the lowest F4 on the team at minus .7, but he'll get another chance Saturday. He will oppose Patrick Corbin, who... Patrick Corbin has been just surprisingly terrible this season. Uh, seven and fourteen, a six one four ERA. He's given up a hundred and one earned runs. I have not seen any pitcher give up triple digit earned runs that I've looked up at all this season. Patrick Corbin has. He's given up thirty eight home runs, or sorry, thirty four home runs this season. Strikeouts are way down. One eighteen walks. They are what they are, but uh, yeah, Patrick Corbin has been absolutely awful this season, which you don't really expect to see from a guy like him. He's only 32, so it's not like he's super-duper old, but uh, yeah, huge contract for him, too. He has been awful, so the Pirates will have a chance in that one, too, even with Crow pitching. And then on Sunday, it'll be Bryce Wilson again. He will be facing off against Paulo Espinosa. Espino, Espino, I'm not sure. He, (laughs) right, sorry. He started, he has started 15 games this season, appeared in 31. I've never heard of him. I'm sorry. 91 innings pitched. He's given up 44 earned runs. Home runs are a problem for him as well. 16 of those given up. Uh, 435 ERA. He's getting the start. I'll say this. The Pirates will definitely have a chance to win all of these games. So uh, let me let me hear one quick prediction from you. What are the Pirates going to do this weekend? I'll say they take two out of three from the Nationals. Yeah. You know what? I agree. Two out of three. We know they won't be sweeping them. But uh, I saw something like, I think it was Greg Brown that said something like the Pirates are 7-5-2. and two. In their last, what is that, 14 home series. So I think that they will uh, they'll take this home series as well before getting absolutely slaughtered in the series after when Cincinnati comes to town. So two out of three in this one, followed by sweep. But we'll, we'll get to that when it's time to get to that. Um, we'll be back Sunday afternoon then after the conclusion of the Washington series and uh two out of three that's that's your prediction you say that is my prediction my prediction as well all right before we get out of here is there anything else that you would like to uh talk about not really just uh you can find me on twitter at underscore radio jake nate where can we find you follow me at nathan underscore hirsch and as always follow bucks dugout at bucks dugout one last thing I thought it was pretty hilarious. The winning pitcher in today's game, or tonight's game, sorry, against the Pirates, the winning pitcher for the Tigers was Drew 
Hutchinson. <laughs> oh, I hate that name. Drew Hutchinson. All right, we'll be back Sunday afternoon. Everyone, have a great rest of your day, and uh, peace out. Uh...